Salutations and shit, guys. Welcome to another episode of Travel and Shit, your new favorite podcast, mostly based on what was learned and what was experienced from travel, as opposed to a how-to of how it can be done. I'm your host, D. Carrie, and uh, I travel and shit. Special shout out to y'all that have been fucking with the kid for quite some time, and a welcome to all of you new listeners. Welcome, welcome. And uh, we at this shit again. So around my birthday every year, I have this tradition of watching The Wiz. It's my favorite movie and the soundtrack bangs. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. The shit goes hard. And it's actually my own kind of, I guess you can say, personal um, Rocky soundtrack when I'm feeling blue or if i'm looking for um motivation inspiration all that great shit i will actually play the soundtrack to the whiz and um i just enjoy watching it i have never been here for the wizard of oz even as a kid i could never get into it i initially thought that the whiz was the original and then like the wizard of oz came like oh like in black and white after the color version right i know it was a little foolish but you know the Wiz is just substantially a more superior movie. And of course, the soundtrack is better. All the, all the things. We could we could do this longer than necessary. But say all that to say, this week, I am um, going to be, I guess, giving you guys a rundown or a comparison, if you will, of different travels that I've had and experiences that I've had based on the personas of, not necessarily the personas, but the characters from the Wiz. So Dorothy was the one that um, was looking to get back home. She was homesick. Scarecrow was looking for a brain. Tin Man wanted a heart and the lion wanted courage. So boom, boom, boom. I'm going to tell you the, oh wait, I hope this isn't a spoiler. So essentially the movie is a, I don't want to say a testament, but for example, you meet each character and then you're told about what it is they wanted to get from the Wiz. Dorothy wanted the Wiz to send her home. Um, Scarecrow wanted a brain. Timmy wanted a heart. Lion wanted courage. But as the movie progresses, you see all these, well, not see, but you are, I guess, experiencing all these opportunities where each of the character proves that what they are going to see the Wiz for are characteristics that they always they already possess so by the time the movie ends you're like oh shit so we've been had all this shit we've been good we could have done all this before and we didn't have to go through the whiz so i guess also it's one of those things where it's just like the journey is more so than the end result so um yeah so so many themes and shit to the movie however i'm basically going to um i guess you can say a versus kind of thing so what they were looking for versus not what they were looking for but yeah so an experience of what they were looking for versus um shit what they already had so let me get into it and then it'll make sense right all right so dorothy she was trying she was homesick that was her whole thing she wanted to get home so the way i figured i would break it down was when was i ready to come home the quickest and then when did I feel most at home or like where in what location did I feel most at home? So for me, I think that I was probably ready to come home the fastest when I was in Thailand. I feel like that's been like the forgotten trip. I legit can't remember 
shit that I did in Thailand. All I remember was, well, not all the things. I do remember, um, you know, the beach was a disappointment. At least the beach I went to. I was at Karam Beach. Total trash. Um, literally trash everywhere. I did, you know, um, a day of like sightseeing to go other places and stuff like that. But there's nothing really except for my experience at Big Buddha. I feel like, well, the temples were cool. But yeah, I feel like Thailand was probably the one trip that I could say I might have been just ready to come home from. I don't remember feeling like, oh, my God, I could stay here so much longer and I love it so much. And then I would honestly say, I know y'all have heard me say that Cuba and Colombia have been my absolute favorite vacations. Those have been my favorite destinations. But contrary to that, I felt most at home actually in Peru. I stayed in Miraflores and also in Shanghai. Those two destinations in particular didn't feel like I was on vacation. Like when I was, well, except for the people staring at me in Shanghai. Um, other than that, I, it just really felt like I was in Flushing. And then in Miraflores just felt like I was in, say, um, what part is it? Uh, maybe not Astoria, I think. I'd say maybe Astoria. Miraflores kind of felt like Astoria to me. It just felt like Queens. So, well, both places felt like different. I live in Queens. So both places just felt like different areas of Queens. And it wasn't that I felt, ooh, plot twist. So maybe those places felt most at home because even at home, I kind of have a sense of like not belonging. Like you don't feel like you um, are accepted. I, well, I, because I can only speak for myself, I don't necessarily feel like I'm accepted everywhere that I go home. So it's like, you know, you can go to like a store or you go to an event or say you have like, you know, your United Nations group of friends. You got one click that's got a little bit of everybody. You got an Italian chick, you got an Asian guy. You have a um, a guy from Mexico that's in the crew. You've got another girl that's from, you know, say, I don't know, Australia. You just got a whole great diverse mix of friends. And so you go to one of their events or you go to like a family outing or something because that's your homie. And then you just realize the way their family is treating you or their other friends that aren't in the same clique as you and that friend together are kind of making you realize how other you actually are. So things like that, when you are on home soil, if you were, there are many reminders uh, for me that I experienced that I don't necessarily feel like I belong in a lot of the different, um, I guess, climates and environments that I have to be in while I'm home dissimilarly is dissimilarly a word but contrary to that point when I was in say Cuba and Colombia I didn't feel like I stood out I didn't feel like I had to do that much work to blend in and that was mostly um could be contributed to my blackness I felt like I was able to easily blend into whatever black um demographic was there as long as I kept my mouth shut because 
I don't speak Spanish. I understand it a little bit better than I can speak it. But um, yeah, you, you can't walk up to me and just start going. And then I go with it and am able to respond. That ain't how it works. But yeah, so I think that possibly Miraflores and Shanghai felt most like home because there was an element of still not completely belonging while still looking and feeling like the spaces that I'm in at home. Hmm, that's quite interesting. And I feel like that kind of goes back to a, co- a couple of the conversations that I'd had with prior guests about, um, you know, their experience of blackness abroad as well and whether or not they felt like they fit in or if they felt like they stood out. So that's an interesting uh, topic. I'll probably pick it up at another point with someone else. But yeah, so I definitely didn't feel like I was really on vacation in at those destinations. Well, in those destinations or at those destinations? I think it'd be at those destinations. All right. So that's Dorothy. So Scarecrow, he was looking for a brain. I think the dumbest shit I've ever done on vacation, the first thing that came to mind was when I let that nigga from Cuba stay at the house that I was staying at. The way that, first of all, go back to episode four and listen to that one. You're welcome. It's a good time. (laughs) But in hindsight, that's gotta be the dumbest shit that I have done while I was abroad. Because he literally could have taken everything that I owned and just been off and into the street while I was sleeping. Um, Just knowing that the people in the area, I guess, experience such a disparity is generally it's one of those things where you don't want to think the worst of people but you know that you may be putting yourself in a safer position if you do. So I'm really big on, and I've been knockwood living and surviving based off of trusting my intuition. And let me actually knock on wood, hold on. And um, living and surviving and getting by on trusting my intuition and really kind of just going with what my gut says is a good or a bad idea. So far, I've been aight with it. But the same way you can't trust these niggas here in New York, definitely can't trust them abroad. So hold on a second. Let me mute this. Which button is it? Okay, this one. So damn, like he really could have got me for everything. Like he was, he turned out to be a really nice person, a really nice guy. But the really uncomfortable part of it was the next day when I was saying, all right, that was fun. So, you know, I'm going to be going to my next destination. Like I'll be going to Havana. And he's like, oh, I should come with you. I'm like, nah, you know, it's been fun. All right. Good night. You know, like, bye. Oh, I should come with you. Just tell a person that I'm like your boyfriend or I'm your friend. And I'm like, no, but like, he was very persistent. And it got to the point where I was really starting to get creeped out because I'm trying to explain, I'm trying to say no. But at the same time, I realized like he can jump on the phone and like have his people there wherever I am in like 
however amount of time it would have taken them and i wouldn't have known because remember a nigga don't speak spanish so if he hops on his phone and you know tries to set some shit up like anything could have fucking happened so honestly that was probably the dumbest shit that i've ever done especially considering i don't speak the language of the people that i am um immersing myself in so if somebody was plotting on me i wouldn't even have known so jesus christ looking back in hindsight yeah that was definitely probably the dumbest thing that i did the smartest thing that i probably did while i was traveling was choosing to stay in hostels while i was in europe my last europe was it the last trip no but one of the trips yes it may have been yeah it was the last time i went to europe i did four countries on the one trip i did norway italy austria and uk and other than in italy I stayed in Rome and I stayed in an Airbnb for, I think it was three nights. I definitely posted that on my IG. And a lot of you were really surprised at how inexpensive it was for me to stay there. I had the whole apartment to myself. So definitely holler at that. Underscore D carry, letter D, C-A-R-R-I-E if you want to see um, receipts. Um, but when I was there, I did two nights in Norway. So I did an Airbnb for that. Saw the Northern Lights, scroll through. Those pictures are incredible. But in Italy, no, in Vienna and in London, I was only staying for a night. Um, damn, was it? No. Yeah, I stayed in, um, yeah, I stayed in Austria and then I stayed in London. I was only there for one night. Those were my transit countries. Now, mind you, while I was there, I was there for like 16 hours and they were 16 usable hours of the day. So it's not like I arrived at say, you know, midnight and then I've like half of the time there is when everything is shut down and it's too late to travel by my, you know, to walk around and do shit. So I was there during perfect times of the day. I was able to get out and explore, see the cities and, you know, kind of get a feel for stuff out there. But I only spent on average, maybe $20 a night on accommodations. They were incredibly clean hostels. One of them actually had, um, the bathroom in Austria, the, uh, bathroom like the restroom was actually in the hostel and it was all female well it didn't really matter because the bathroom was in there so I shared the room with maybe I think four of the young ladies were there at the time I was there and we were all in we had the room the bathroom in the room so we didn't have to like go down the hallway or some shit like that so that was a really great experience and then in London same thing we had a it was actually a mixed storm but it was only one other young lady that was there with me. We had a bathroom in the room and then there were also uh, showers and toilets and whatnot in the hallway. Only thing that sucked about that was that the showers were freezing fucking cold. But, you know, I was only there at night and considering I only spent $20, I still felt like everything was clean. Everything was well lit. I felt very safe. So that was probably like the best, the, I'd have to say that was probably the smartest thing is choosing cheaper accommodations knowing that i wasn't going to be there long enough for me to need you know anything more than just some place to shower and sleep other than being outside and exploring the city so that wraps up scarecrow now tin man my nigga here was looking for a heart 
So I would say the most cold-blooded thing I did while I was on vacation was double fold. So in Cuba, I turned on the waterworks and started crying when that guy um, really started pressing the issue. He really did make me uncomfortable. Like I really was starting to get a little worried and I was very easily able to cry and just like tell him some sob story like, yo, I'm just dealing with so much at home and I really needed this time to get away and spend time to myself. Woo, woo, woo. Shit worked. Then the, the nigga backed off. He kind of calmed down with the whole pressing of the whole, no, 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 it'll work. Just tell her I'm your boyfriend, whatever, you know? So the waterworks definitely helped. And the second thing I would have to say was riding the fucking elephant in Thailand. I initially did not plan to do it because I knew that I had no real way of knowing whether or not the animals were going to be abused or not. So I said that that's not something that I would participate in once I got there. Sure enough, though, while my driver was taking me to see the different sites that I was requesting to go see, we were passing by one of those elephant locations. And it wasn't an elephant sanctuary where you go, um, you know, bathe with them and, you know, feed them and wash them and shit like that. It was basically the spot where you go ride the fucking elephants. And as I was there and going throughout the, I guess the area where they were, I guess the, the theme park, I really don't know what else to fucking call it. But as I was there, I'm watching the interactions between, I guess, the handlers and the animals. And I know that I had made the comment under like um i made the caption well part of the caption was it just seemed like the handlers were i guess dealing with like unruly dogs if you will you know what i mean like the way you know like you can yell at your dog because your dog does something stupid but at the end of the day it doesn't mean that you abuse or hate your fucking dog it was kind of like that but it's like the outside looking in i'm not um a vet i don't you know volunteer at an animal hospital i'm not fucking jack hannah i don't know what an abused animal really looks like because there are certain little and by that i mean you can see obvious signs of abuse right stuff like that is when it's obvious it's obvious however there are a lot of things that aren't necessarily obvious like if um say for some reason bananas were a bad food for elephants if I didn't know any better, watching somebody continuously feed an elephant banana, you know, wouldn't be a trigger. It wouldn't be a red flag of, oh my God, he's treating this animal like shit. You understand what I'm saying? So there wasn't anything. They weren't like beating the animals. They weren't, you know, being forceful or rough with them. I did not see any of that, but I did see that the animals that, well, the elephants that weren't being ridden were chained by one of their ankles and I under no stretch of the imagination would want to be chained myself so I think it would be fair to assume that an animal would not want to be chained either I mean however you do walk your dog on a leash you know but there is um I guess there it's like apples and oranges it's both fruit but they're different types of fruit right so that I kind of feel like i should have probably stuck to what my initial 
plan was to disregard that experience, but I didn't. And I paid for it by thinking I was going to fucking die every, you know, 10 minutes because as big as, first of all, you forget how you think about how big elephants are, but I don't know why it didn't occur to me that they are also high from the ground. Like the top of their back is not close to the floor. It, it just, it, I know I'm smarter than this, but for some reason, that's the last thing I fucking thought of. And these hoes walk like right at the edge of the cliffs. And by cliff, I mean like there's like just forest and jungle and shit beneath you that you. I was afraid of falling off that bitch every 10 minutes. It was ridiculous. So that was uncomfortable. Additionally, I am afraid of spiders. I don't know why I did not consider that I would be maybe 10 feet from the ground in trees where the fucking spiders are. And so not only are elephants high from the ground, they are also slow as fuck. So as we're like walking, they're passing by these low, like the low hanging trees, like the low hanging branches from the trees and shit. And there's spiders in these branches and there's spiders hanging from the trees. And I, I just was so afraid of being stuck near a spider. And I'm like stressing, thinking about it. Yeah, I got really close a few times. And these aren't just like little spiders. These is big ass fucking jungle spiders. These is like the, the shits with like the bright colors on the body and like the hard, oh God, just gross, scary, horrible, evil, disgusting, no good can come of them spiders because there's no good that a spider brings. I don't give a fuck if you're telling me that they eat bugs. If I'm still getting mosquito bites, they're not on their shit and they have no purpose to me. So to hell with spiders. And literally, what do mosquitoes do? What, like, what is their purpose? They don't pollinate anything. I don't, I don't understand why mosquitoes are even a thing either, but that's rabbit holing. That's digressing. We're moving on. So, yeah, it was, oh, oh, wait, no. So that was the, the cold blood part. Now, the most loving thing. This one was pretty difficult. And I am a bit saddened by that. I definitely think that I need to be more loving. I would say when I travel that I would like to establish something kind that I can do or some way of, you know, just being that I can bring with me as I travel so that I can somehow impart some level of goodness to all the spaces that I've been. And I really couldn't think or identify anything that stood out as something loving or kind that I had done while I was abroad. But I did remember some really good connections that I've made with people that I've met abroad. Like I made a friend with, um, she's actually a dentist, I want to say from Brazil. And she and I um, got real friendly in, where was it? Um, in Spain, when we were in Barcelona. And I met Kevin in Cuba. And he and I still are friendly on Instagram. We still speak and check in with each other. Then there was um, Ian Bali, another friend. What's up, E? I made in Bali. We still, you know, constant contact, check in on each other. 
Um, so there are different people that I've met along the way that have left, you know, lasting, pleasant impressions. Also, I met actually a lot of people in Cuba. There were four young ladies that I met in Cuba that we really hit it off, had a great time on uh, the Beyond Roots Cuba experience. And one of the things that I do remember that I could have probably, if I were paying probably better attention, I was trying to get my tattoo because I have a travel sleeve. So every trip I go on, not every country I go to, but every trip I go on, I try to come home with a tattoo. Now, the catch with that is I also love a good beach and I love anything that I could do in the water. So it's really difficult to get it when say you can schedule it and show up and you know when you first get there you can't just get a tattoo unless of course you're going someplace where it's going to be cold and you don't plan on being in the water otherwise you got to stay out of like direct sunlight so you can't go sunbathing and you don't want to you're basically walking around with a fresh open wound and so you can't get into the ocean and you don't want to be on the beach because you're going to get all the sand in it right so when i'm Doing my trips, I always have to plan to get my tattoo basically the last day that I'm there. So in Cuba, I went on probably, damn, I can't say it was the best excursion, but because it was a tie between the Beyond Roots tour and then like the exploring, uh, I think it's Kanasi with a biologist or whatever. That was the day that I did the cliff diving. That was the day that I did snorkeling for the first time. I did so many things for the first time while I was on that particular excursion. And I had the understanding that I would make it back to Havana by like five o'clock or so. Well, I don't think we got back until, an, mm, I think we were supposed to get back a little earlier. Either way, I want to say we got back about an hour later than we were supposed to. But I had already scheduled and not necessarily booked, but they had me in the book at the, I think I was going, I was definitely going to, I believe it was called La Marca. That was the tattoo shop that I had um, extensively researched and confirmed that they were doing the, you know, the cleanest and the safest practices in tattooing that I'd be able to find in Cuba because tattooing in Cuba is not illegal, but it's not legal either. It's kind of a gray area. So a lot of people are creating shops in their own homes. So it's a lot of them are lacking autoclaves and sanitary practices and things. So I made sure that I found some place that has a primary tattoo artist that definitely travels the world and made sure that he bought back all the appropriate equipment and techniques that are to a standard where I feel safe getting work done. So all that being said, this was the only place that I was going to get the shit done. And I'd spoken with them and they knew exactly what I wanted to get done. They quoted me on the price. All I had to do was show up. Sadly, by the time we got back and I arranged with the host of the experience that I was on to help me get a taxi to take me there, somehow... The rest of the crew from that experience ended up being in my taxi that I was going to have take me to the shop. Now, it shouldn't have been a big deal. I believe that where I was, where they were staying was along the route. However, 
I was in a fucking time crunch. So if I were paying better attention and if I, I guess, you know, wasn't relying on the fact that I just made, you know, really great connections with them, that this was a very time sensitive (laughs) event that I was trying to make it for. So that whole being nice and saying, oh, sure, ride with me. Don't worry about it turned into about 30 minutes, 45 minutes of taking me off the fucking path that I needed to be on, not off the path in terms of, you know, going out of the way, but just y'all niggas held me up by about 45 minutes. So when I finally got to the tattoo shop, Shorty was like, nah, he was, he wasn't going to do the, he wasn't going to do the tattoo for me. It was too late in the day. And I think that a good portion of it was because I'd gotten there so close to their closing, but Lo and behold, everything for a reason. I really tried to just stand firmly in my belief in an intentional universe. So I think that me being concerned with my air quotes here, um, you know, my new friends, but definitely my acquaintances. They, I wouldn't say friends, friends, but like acquaintances, because this is the first day I've met you. You know what I mean? So at this point, me being concerned with my acquaintances being uh, convenienced and being able to get back home definitely set me the fuck back. So those two things, just like the connections that I made with people and, um, you know, sharing the taxi. And, and might I add, when they found out in hindsight that I wasn't able to get the tattoo, because again, I told you we all stayed in, um, we stayed in contact. Well, at least two. I stayed in contact with two of them. Kevin and I can't remember the other young lady's name, um, but I stayed in contact with them and they felt so bad, like so, so bad that I wasn't able to get the tattoo. And most of it was because one of the girls, her name is Faith. Faith had a drifter ass little vacation ass nigga boyfriend on it and he decided either to go take a shit take a shower do both I don't know but him going home and doing what the fuck he wanted to do on my time that was the primary reason why I was fucked up I didn't even like him um but say all that to say I definitely feel like that there is something that I need to start doing while I'm abroad that is a legacy of love if you will. I think that that's something that I'm definitely going to look into. I know that, um, sometimes like I'll, if I know that there's like a cleaning staff or something, like I'll tip, leave, you know, cash or something behind. Um, I don't do that everywhere because, you know, I don't really got it. You know what I mean? Like my money, especially when you've converted a currency, if I don't have mad of it left over that I'm trying to get rid of, yeah, that's, if I have that much of it, I'm trying to get rid of well and great. That's cool. Leave some of it behind. Otherwise I need to make sure that anything that I need to do, I'm going to be able to take care of with whatever currency is left, because if I'm about to be on my way out, it don't make sense to, you know, exchange anything more. Um, but I will also leave behind unopened bottles of alcohol. Um, like if I go to duty free, when I get there and I buy alcohol, I generally don't, I usually leave so much behind. Like I'll buy something and have so it's just me. I'm one person I can drink, but so much. So I always try to mention to the person that is either my host or whatever. Hey, I don't know if you drink, but there's an unopened, you know, bottle of wine or 
uh, there because I don't check a bag. So I can't necessarily bring the bottle back with me from the country. I'd have to buy it at duty, uh, duty free when I get back to the airport. So even if I have like something like say, I, I think I know one time in Bali, like I only opened, I had one glass of wine and it felt like such a fucking waste because I know I don't really want to drink something behind somebody else. Like, I don't give a fuck if you were the nicest person in the world. I, I don't know what all you do. So I don't want to drink from your open bottle of alcohol unless you're like, it's one thing to go to your, your people's house and drink their open alcohol, but just going into an Airbnb and then you know, drinking alcohol that they have that's not sealed, not something that I, gen- I partake in. Um, so I just feel like even though I offer it to them, I don't know if they ever drink it or not. So sometimes I feel like it's just a total waste. But so on to the lion. When was I most cowardly? Hmm. I think that I do a lot of shit. I don't necessarily see it all as being brave um i've had other people tell me that a lot of the stuff that i've done has been brave but that's to them to me i think that a lot of it is you know a little adventurous if you will but i wouldn't necessarily say uh brave right but i would say that probably the most cowardly And I don't know if it's necessarily cowardly, but I would say I held back a lot in London. When now, this was the tail end of that trip. And when I tell you I was just over traveling, I was over traveling. That actually may have been when I was ready to go home. I arrived in London and I had nothing booked, I had no place to stay. I knew I was just going to be taking the train. Oh, that's probably also one of the smartest things that I did was taking all uh, public transportation in on that last um, trip to Europe. Because the first time I went to Europe, I spent like $300 in taxis and I about never the fuck again. The metro in Europe is incredible in all the countries that I've been to. I especially um, like I, yeah, I even rode the fucking bus. I hate the bus. I rode the bus in uh, Rome. Shit was fine. I didn't really understand exactly where I was going at first, but once you figure it out, it makes fucking complete sense. But I would say London got there. I had over, I mentioned this before, overdrafted in the bank. I had no idea where the fuck I was going. It was just a total shit show. I spent maybe four hours in the airport basically crying um, because I was just so stressed. It was like probably the closest thing to a panic attack or an anxiety attack that I've ever had. It was, I felt miserable and I finally just decided to stay at the hostel that my brother had stayed at maybe like a year or two prior. Cause he said he had a good experience and what he definitely suggested I do was do the bar crawl that it was pretty cheap and you hit a bunch of bars in the area you talk to people that are there and it's a good time. Well, I decided against that. I almost didn't leave the room at all. But thankfully, I had some really great friends who um, talked me into, well, talked me out of my head and just basically hit me with the bitch. You ain't come this far to just stay in the fucking room. And a 
$20 room at that. It's not like you're staying in like the Waldorf and you can order yourself some room service and, you know, get into a good foreign movie or some shit to kind of make yourself feel better. You're staying in a basic, just staying basically in a college fucking dorm. So you, you didn't come that far in the world to just not do a damn thing, right? So thankful for them. They, you know, talked me into this whole, yeah, I should leave. And oddly enough, the universe sent me the, I guess the roommate, the suite mate, the lady that was staying with me was just like, listen, I'm going out and about to the club. You ain't got to come to the club with me, but you might as well take this Uber with me in the general area. Would you like if I dropped you off? And I definitely don't know if I would have had a good time at the club with her. So I'm not, you know regretting not going with her there but i am glad that i let her basically take me the uber took me to see big ben and it started to rain a little bit i was ready to call it a wrap but i decided to still walk through where i was in london and i basically walked the rest of the way back to the hostels you know saw a couple of cool things along the way just kind of got a feel for the area but i think that not really joining other people in terms of actually I guess an organized activity I kind of lost out a bit in what could have been a really good time in London I did end up going to the bar that was downstairs in the hostel that I was staying at and it was some findings in there too it was that was the first time I saw black people on like that whole trip um especially good looking ones I think I'd seen like a maybe a handful no i did see a couple of black people in rome but um never really anybody that i would you know want to talk to have conversation with or could have like you know arranged necessarily um something to do otherwise like hey let's go to this party or whatever just whatever you can possibly conceive of doing right um but I just really wasn't feeling the shit. So I didn't talk to any of the guys that were at the little bar downstairs. And honestly, I just could not stand the fucking, I'm not a club person. I really tried it. I tried going to it, but I really just was pissed off by the chicks that were in there. Shit really could have got live because I really had to like do an aggressive brush past this one bitch. And yeah. That was, um, yeah. So I think that I could have had a much better time if I had not been so reserved and if I had kind of just stepped out more and been a little more social while I was out there. And I would say the bravest thing that I have done probably was actually going through with the whole swim with the mantas in bali that i had scheduled when i tell you i was scared from the day i booked it i a bitch was scared like scared scared oddly enough though that is what made me want to do it i was afraid to jump off of the cliff in cuba um like that was fear fear I was definitely afraid to do that, but I did it. So that also was, I guess, brave, but I didn't jump a second time because I realized that nobody was really paying attention and I realized I didn't want to jump. Nobody be paying attention. I don't come back up and then boom, I'm gone. I'm dead in some beautiful cove 
at some rocky beach in Cuba and nobody notices and no one can even tell my mother where I am, right? Um, so yeah, that was probably another really scary moment. I was a little cowardly. I didn't go through with that second jump. Um, but that whole swim with the mantas and in hindsight, thanks to Eric for actually pointing out that we were likely surrounded by fucking sharks. I too am afraid of sharks, not just the spiders, but the sharks. So we were like, I'd done the whole swim with the sea lions. And for some, like they tell you that there are no sharks around. Like, I'm pretty sure that if all those sea lions were surrounded there, that they would not like just put themselves like necessarily in dangerous way like I don't think sharks are swimming that close to um like the land area where we were because it was just like a random rock in like the middle of the ocean right so I ain't no biologist um I don't fucking know for certain however there were supposed to not be any sharks in the area where the sea lines were in Peru but the guys in Bali definitely told us no 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 there are no sharks out here and after the whole experience, I was talking with Eric, um, that's E, and he was basically like, are you serious? Like, of course there were sharks. We were on the opposite side of the reef. Like, that's where they do all of their hunting. And we were in the middle of all the shit that they would have been in. Basically, when you are doing an experience with mantas, you're very likely to see a shark as well. I don't want to say... I don't know if I should say thankfully or sadly, we weren't able to swim with the mantas because the water was entirely unsafe. It was a really, really um, choppy day. It was unsafe for us to stop in, I want to say, three of the different little stops we were supposed to make along the way. So I don't know. I'm kind of like sad that I didn't get to have the experience. But at the same time, I really, really was scared. Like, I think this was the most afraid to do something that I actually was and um hmm, yeah but I actually went through with it I went on the trip I got my ass in the water when we were able to get in the water and the snorkeling was incredible but yeah and knowing after the fact that it was like in the middle of where the sharks were at I'm glad I found out after the fact because I don't know if I would have necessarily gotten in the water or not. I don't know, y'all. I really don't fucking know. But um, yeah, so those are the main characters. There's, of course, the Wiz, but, you know, we ain't going to get into all of that. So I think that that was a really fun way to spend a little time with my fave movie and I would love to hear how you guys can possibly relate to some of the characters yourselves. So definitely keep up with the, the DMs. I still keep getting questions and stuff from you guys. So maybe I'll add in a question segment or something. I don't know. Let me know if you want me to answer a question more frequently. And instead of doing like question episodes, like if you want to just have a question answered in each episode, let me know. Um, let me see anything important. One year is fast approaching y'all. I think this is episode 50. There are two more weeks. I gotta say I've got something in the works. I am quite excited to uh, share it with you. It will be a really 
fun way to celebrate one year. So keep that shit in mind and I will speak to you guys next week. So thanks for listening. Be sure to check out dcarry.com for any links. Thank you again to last week's um, guest, Fletcher. I really did enjoy our conversation and um, he was real easy to talk to. So he was mad cool. So thanks to him. Uh, definitely check out his website and I'll have those links on my website soon. And um, I'll holler at y'all niggas next week. All right. Bye.